Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to The Parenthood, the podcast where we tackle all things parenting. As parents, we do our best to give our children confidence, to make friends. We encourage them to take risks so that they can enjoy all the wonderful things that life has to offer. We cocoon them in a a net of love and safety, and we would generally go to the ends of the earth to protect them. But sooner or later, and more quickly than we probably realise, they become aware that life does have its dangers, and that the world that they live in contains scarier things than the Gruffalo. Each year brings, seems to bring more terror attacks that appear to be closer to home. And one thing we probably don't anticipate fast enough is how these stories, how incessant rolling news and the sensationalization of these stories in the news is affecting our children. Today, I've got Dr. Kiara Hunt with me um, and also Emma Gledhill. Um, before you introduce Emma, uh, just Kiara, quickly, you are in your practice. Do you see stress with, with young children? Do you see it manifesting itself? I think it's quite uh, it's quite common actually. We we think of stress and anxiety as being something that affects adults, but it's really not that rare that I see children as young as five, six, seven in the surgery, and they come with things like headaches, tummy aches, uh, even rashes. And we do all the tests, and ultimately we find out it's down to stress. And it might not be worry at that point about terror attacks, but it might be exams, it might be family situations with parents getting separated or but increasingly now it is it is things that they've heard in the world around them so yes stress is something I definitely see and we hear a lot about mental health and luckily we're talking about it so much more often and we know how important that is for our children well with us today we have uh, Emma Gledhill she is an educational speaker coach and trainer who specializes in child and adolescent development supporting both parents and teachers in the emotional dialogue that we all have with our children Emma thank you very much for joining us today Anxiety isn't a new emotion. In fact, it's it's probably key to our survival as a species. But do you think it's different in today's world and for our children? Yes, I think you're right. Anxiety can be our greatest friend. It can keep us safe, but it can also be um, a bit of an enemy because it's very hard for us as adults or children to really keep it in proportion. Um, and that's really where how we show up for our pa- our children's anxiety is really key. Um, I mean, as a species, anxiety is protective, isn't it? It absolutely is. Um, I suppose when my daughter was little, 
and not really displaying any sort of sign of stranger anxiety. In fact, she was quite outgoing and gregarious and waltzing up to, it seemed, anyone in the nursery and making friends. I worried about a, a sort of lack of that instinct to be a little bit wary of strangers. I think... You know, we've got to learn about anxiety, but also we've got to learn how to master anxiety. Um, and we don't do that by avoiding it. We don't do that by shying away from it. Um, a lot of my work is about encouraging people not to stay blind to some of the unpleasant emotions that are part of our life and part of our mental healthy landscape. You know, we should feel you know, happiness, calm, anger and sadness and fear at different times, in different proportions, quite regularly. We should have that full emotional spectrum. We try and shelter our children from some of those emotions. Absolutely. Most of the time, don't we? And that's not necessarily the best thing to do. Not really. Um, as I say, the fears and fantasies that children can harbour go unchecked if they remain unsaid and if in manageable ways some of those fears and fantasies can't be reality checked and experienced. Um, overprotected children um, don't learn how to master spikes of anxiety and become rather brittle and anxious adults. So Yes, we don't want to expose our children to threat needlessly or recklessly, but we do want them to have a robust experience where they feel that they have triumphed, that they become empowered to deal with certain elements of um, you know, natural fears, rational fears, and some of their irrational fears. We We need to think to what extent is the fear or anxiety that they may quite reasonably start to have, to what extent is it helpful and when does it become unhelpful? And I think if our children are living in um, an anxious place a lot of the time, if they're not moving around that spectrum of emotion that I was talking about, if they tend to be held, holding themselves and re-triggering thoughts and fears, then we have to really think about how we can move them out of that state because they're exposed i mean nowadays you know the world has changed in the last sort of 10 years we have rolling news we have text updates on our phone we've we've got the radio on and all of this is quite sort of sensational you it's know it's really good news is it it's really good news it's often very exciting because excitement sells products and papers and advertising around the news programs and children pick up on this more than we're aware of don't they it's, this is so true I mean how many of us share our phones our iPads our devices with children and you know lots of alerts can pop up and add to that sort of daily tapestry that daily landscape of what they see um, of course, when they do see things, we need to be there to have conversations that help them process those experiences. So what we want to do is um, look out for lots of teachable moments where bad news has happened, where there has been, for example, 
a piece of particularly bad news, a terrorist attack would be one thing that you mentioned earlier, to really make sure that we're observant about our child's responses when it initially comes up, that we're asking questions and we're looking out for how that is sitting with them over time. Because often children can seem to cope very well initially, um, but then their repeated exposure to a troublesome story, and of course in the immediate aftermath of you know, a disaster or um, a, a big threat in the news, we have that coverage wall to wall. It's all around us. It's on the radio when we get up in the morning. It's on the news. Um, it's it's on our devices. It's in our playgrounds as well. And that's the thing we've got to be mindful of, that children process anxious experiences and they process ideas about their fears um, through play. And they make stuff up. Absolutely, which can mean that they layer on extra anxiety. Um, I'm a governor at a school that's quite near London Bridge, um, where obviously there were some dreadful attacks earlier in the year. And, you know, what we could see on the playground there was, you know, children really adding to the story. You know, suddenly there were beheadings and, you know, lots of people and uh, in, involved when actually proportionally that wasn't the case. Um, so in a way, some children will exaggerate and want to sort of face their worst fears in a way through through play and through discussion. And it is important that they have observant adults in their lives who can sort of keep a check on that and make sure they're aware of you know, the facts rather than the embellishments so that these don't become too big and monstrous in what their sort, thoughts of, what and sort of age would you say is appropriate to start talking quite openly and honestly with ch- children, young children, about, for example, if we're using t- an, a, terror, a terror attack as an example, when they're in school or even in nursery school? Do you know, as soon as, as, soon as we realise that they are taking things in, like little sponges from a very, very early age, they also pick up on our feelings as well. So if we suddenly become very anxious in our behaviour and demeanour, they will pick up on it. If suddenly we become very anxious about getting on public transport or being in you know, being in crowded places, um, they will start to pick up on that and that will help um, you know, that can help fuel uh, feelings of anxiety. And is it better to play down our anxiety or to explain it to them in an age-appropriate way, which S- risks get making them more anxious, of course? I think we have to bear in mind that our children learn how to deal with their emotions from us as, role, as their role models, as key carers in their lives. So... Um, What is important for them to have a sense of is that anxiety is manageable. Uh, And if we can model a sense of calm and an openness to talk things through rather than sort of pretend that things aren't going on or aren't happening, they will pick up on what's going on around them either from playground gossip or even nursery gossip and discussion. Um, Or they will pick it up from media that's all around us in our homes and on our streets. Um, 
in restaurants and cafes. We've got newspapers in front of their eyes and they, you know, they will be able to read. And so it's see. okay to show them that we're anxious and then teach them that anxiety is manageable is really the message we're, we're wanting to, to show. Yeah, I think, I think the idea, you know, yes, this is worrying, but let's talk about it together. And presumably put it into context too, you know. Yes. If you just read the papers and you just re- watch Sky News, you think, you know, we're basically all going to get killed for some reason. <laughs> we're we're going to all get killed. And it's not in perspective. that The media aren't very good at putting things into perspective. And if their experience is simply them observing all of this um, slightly out-of-control media, and probably possibly one of the most important conversations to have is to say, listen, yes, X amount of people were killed in a terrorist attack, but there are this many people living in London. So actually, you know, it's more, the likelihood of you experiencing a terror attack or a block of flats burning down is very, very small. Presumably that's quite a a reassuring thing for children to hear. Absolutely. And also to focus on actually the contrasting human valour and bravery that's shown that if we use a terror attack as an example, that there are very few people, let's say in the London Bridge attack, there were three men involved in that, but there were far more stories of heroism and people who looked after each other and were caring and who worked and who continued to work to keep us safe. And all the emergency services who are constantly doing the same thing, working to keep us safe. Absolutely. I think I think it's important that we register that fearful things happen. They're a part of our lives and you know, they are they are part of our experience. But we also have to make sure that we are thinking about what also makes us safe, what protects us. Um we're looking at problem solving, um, understanding the ways in which um we are kept safe in society. So focusing on the repair in the aftermath of a terror attack, looking at how the police worked, looking at how the emergency services have worked to um, repair, looking at also the stories that are often in the press about people coming together as a community to show support. It's very easy if we talk about evil acts and evil people for them to become these nebulous, really very, very powerful bad guys. Um, yeah, almost cartoon-like in their sort of, in their power, evil yes. power. Yeah, and powerful, all powerful too. Yes. So I, th- I think making sure that they, that, that our children understand that there are people who make bad decisions. There are people who um, who become very angry and separate. But that you know, straying away from the idea that these are evil people. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I remember listening to a talk, Emma, that you gave uh, to our school. And you one of the things that really um, stuck with me was saying that, 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 there are no, that there are no real evil people. It is just normal people making bad choices and bad decisions and my son who was uh, or who is uh, anxious about evil people in the world I explained that to him and he he really grasped that concept and it was about how can we help the evil people not uh, the people who make bad decisions um, make good decisions instead right and, and that's been really helpful and 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 that is a much more em- empathic and emotionally intelligent way to think about uh, you know, the ideas of evil people are very anxiety-provoking um, than the idea of that idea about bad situations, bad choices. You know, actually, they need to know that most people that they encounter and even most people who they don't know are, tr- are trustworthy and secure. Um, and of course, in the aftermath of these events, when our chil- if our children are afraid to go out into school, if they're afraid to, um, you know, if they're afraid of these evil acts and these difficult situations, getting back into a routine is where safety lies. You'll notice that in the press, in the aftermath of an incident, uh, we often see pictures of people going back to work, getting on with normal life, and how important that is. And that is indeed very important for us as parents to bear in mind uh, and not collude with anxiety and hold in that anxious space for too long. What we need to do is make sure our children, you know, what terrorism does, it is it threatens our secure base. And what anxiety does, it encroaches on our secure base, which means that we are free to explore the world, to learn, to develop, to take risks and to grow as a result. Um, So what is important is that we tune into those feelings of anxiety and say yes right now it probably does feel unsafe but how many times have we uh, gone to school and it's perfectly safe pointing out security features pointing out how many millions of tube journeys are taken every day without 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 consequence um you know in how, how safe millions and millions of people are day in day out yeah, I remember reading once, and my kids love this, uh, you're more likely to be killed by a donkey than die in a plane crash. My children have always been a bit wary of donkeys since then. But, <laughs> but I think that was a really good way of kind of contextualising the fact that, you know, even though, you know, flying in a plane seems like a crazy idea and possibly very reckless, statistically, yeah, and that's what we all we've got to go on, is that actually it's a very, very safe thing to do. Yeah, and 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 uh, my husband likes to tell that you're more likely to die in a freak vending machine accident than in a terrorist <laughs> attack in London, so, <laughs> statistically. But but Emma, how how do you when when you in your experience, how do children tend to 
um, exhibit their anxiety. I mean, I see it in my medical in the medical profession with physical symptoms, but uh, there's often nightmares. I know they experience a lot of children will experience nightmares, or it may be behavioural problems that are as a result of of underlying anxiety. What what do you see mostly? I think what we need to do as parents is be observant of our children, be really in t- try and make sure we stay in touch with them. So family time together, being able to have eyes on our children, um, to see when they are becoming rather different to how they normally would be. Um, I often use this idea of a rule of two. When are they too different? When do they feel things too profoundly for too long? Um, you know, so looking out for patterns. Is a child who's normally quite outgoing and gregarious suddenly becoming rather withdrawn and quiet? Or, um, you know, sometimes for us all, really, we might express our anxiety with more anger or aggression, but actually underneath that is a soft underbelly, uh, which might be fear um, or guilt. So and allowing I, them the opportunity to to tell us that, or to exi- or to to um, to show that vulnerability of fear or guilt. Yeah. Uh, it, it, so, like you say, having family time, or, and especially I think one to one time with individual children yeah. in a quiet environment before bed, where there's not necessarily siblings or even the other parent around. Because actually, often the, the the problem is, you know, not that you don't want to communicate with your children, but it's hard to, to get them to communicate with you. I mean, the amount of times I say to my children, "How was school?" fine and that's all I'll get and then you sort of think are they totally happy one thing I found we just got given this school project to do which I sort of (laughs) slightly heaved a sort of horrified (laughs) intake of breath Um, but actually it was so nice because it gave us like you know it took us about two weeks you know not not every day but um, of, of sort of doing a bit of sort of building here and there and I found that was so cathartic for my relationship with my son because we'd be sitting doing stuff with our hands focusing the sort of physical of of making this this ancient Egyptian thing Um, but it also provoked really good conversations because we weren't sitting opposite each other looking directly and intensely into each other's eyes we weren't actually even looking at each other at all but we had these fantastic conversations and I I think people do say that that actually having a sort of eye contact conversation is sometimes a bit too intense for, for some people Sometimes going for a walk, uh, I think, is it's a really yes. good opportunity, isn't it? So. Side by side has a very much more collaborative and democratic aspect. And I think the way in which we ask our children about their emotional lives does matter. Because, of course, as they grow up, they want to be more strong and independent. And so sometimes for little boys and little girls quite early on, they want to show that they are not afraid. If we think about how popular superhero suits are, um, that that tells us quite a lot about you know their ideas about wanting to be and feel strong. So it's not always easy, even for young kids, to admit to being worried about stuff. So I think watching out, looking out for those patterns, and to find a quiet time, a quite restful time. So often not when they just got back from school, where they're still processing the day, but perhaps a time near bedtime where they've had time to settle in at home, uh, a time when they're winding down and relaxing, where you can find some time to talk to them more one-to-one, more privately. Because also, you know, big brothers or in a whole family forum of the lunchtime, you know, what's got into you? You've been really quiet lately. 
that's not going to provoke an open response. But, you know, a quiet time towards bedtime, you know, uh, saying, hey, you know, I, I've noticed that you've been really quiet lately. Is there something on your mind? Um, you know, and opening the doors and windows for them to talk. Uh, so we might, they might initially say, I'm fine. But to make the offer, to remind them, if there is anything that's worrying you, if there is something on your mind, you know, I'm here for you and I will listen uh, and I will try and help you. So making sure that we don't, um, you know, we, we don't prematurely shut those doors. Uh, and also that we aim for a collaborative approach. If we're sort of shining a torchlight in their eyes and, uh, you know, trying to force the issue, um, I agree that being side by side with another activity can actually help the guard come down um, and we can get further faster in that way than if we're trying to take control uh, and perhaps be slightly you know, coercive in our investigation about what's going on. You know, it all comes from a great place, but you're like, you sort of learn about how to best communicate and you'll probably find you, know, you communicate in different ways with different members of your family. You know, your daughter might be much more up for having a frank conversation, whereas yeah. your son needs a bit of coercing. It's quite difficult to sort of put it... We're so busy, all of us, in our lives and to sort of have right between... You know, 7.30 and 8, I will talk to my son about why he's anxious, is not going to work. But also we have to be ready for, we have to be realistic about this. Our kids in their development, in their experiences of life, they will have their worries, they will have their ups and downs. And if we want them to learn how to master difficult feelings, we have to show that we can be calm in the face of them. And so sometimes if a child says to us on a on a less than top day, for instance, I'm worried about X, it's very easy for us to really shut that down and minimise their feelings and say, oh, don't be silly. No, of course not. And in doing so, we minimise um, instead of asking questions and opening up that discussion. So, for instance, if they, if they tell us something that's on their mind, to ask more about it, not to... Not to sort of collude in them wallowing in those difficult feelings, but so that when we give them ideas ourselves, we're doing it from a place of greater understanding. So asking questions, allowing them to speak, and really concentrating on our skills of listening. You know, when I work with teenagers, and I've worked with hundreds of teenagers over the years, it's often been on my mind as a a school leader with responsibility for safeguarding that young people stop confiding in us as they grow older um, and I've asked them ideas about why and, and often young teenagers aged about 13 or 14 will say they don't always feel heard that either their teachers or their parents go into a kind of fix-and-solve mode when actually what they wanted to do was explore more. So often, out of love, we want to sort of fix the problem and let it go away. Um, so we can leap in a bit too prematurely, um, whereas actually listening, validating their fears showing yes I understand this is tough and when we look at the news right now it does feel like the world is a hard place to be but maybe we could think about it in other ways as well and try and open up and broaden out uh, the focus 
on the negative into, you know, okay, you feel pretty um, upset about what you see in the news and in the playground, but what what things can we focus on that are also quite good? Where do we see um, strengths in humanity, strengths in our community, strengths in our society? And so we can make sure that we're not either adding to the anxiety circuitry in the brain, which is easily overstimulated, uh, easily um, re-triggered by what we see around us, that we also think about how we savour the good things in life and focus on uh, empowering them to think about what is it that they can do, what is it that we can do as a family to ensure that uh, we work together on our worries, we work together on our fears, um, that we use relationship in a very real way, that we are resources for each other and that we can share not only the good stuff but that we can share our fears, our frustrations and our worries and we're celebrating that we're all vulnerable you know even mummy and daddy who are you know big and strong and wise that we all worry about things for younger children they'll often come to their parents and say but what will it happen to me mummy will there be a fire in our house mummy will there be um an attack on the tube when we're there mummy and you some advice is to tell young children don't worry darling it won't happen to you is that something you'd agree with I'm not sure that that's a promise that we are able to give or keep. And I would, as a parent, be very wary of giving promises that we can't keep. Um, I think it's better to talk through in very practical ways. Um, Okay, these things have happened. Um, Talking, linking to sort of fire drills at school, what happens, um, what we can do... um, you know, there might not be a fire in our house, we can, but we can't promise that. You know, I remember one of my less stellar moments of, as a mother was causing a fire by heating fat up too much and putting two wet potatoes in it and woof, you know. It's one of my daughter's real memory, <laughs> memories that, you know, I wish that she, she didn't quite remember so vividly. Um, so these things do happen, but it's about sort of talking about, well, that's why we... That's why we don't leave the hob on. That's why we're very careful around fire. So it's a very teachable moment to actually talk about how the house works, that we've got to smoke alarm here, um, what we do if we hear a smoke alarm go off, where would we go? You know, there's, there's, the, there's the door at the front, um, there's a door at the back, for instance. So where would, you know, you're, we're asking them questions, what would you do if there was a fire? What, what would we do? Um, and talking to them, sharing with them your basic safety routines. Yeah, um, I think that's good advice. Yeah, it makes total sense. I must say, I'm 
an eternal optimist. I always try and find good in all sort of circumstances, have a grim. And chatting to you today, Emma, it does make me feel that while no one of us would choose to live in an anxious world, certainly not the one that we're currently living in, you know, where terror is a buzzword and the fear of attack is sort of endemic to us, we can possibly extract good out of it. Because if the nature of the world that we live in is provoking conversations about cultivating honesty with your children, making us think about how we communicate with our children on a meaningful level, that's going to make us better parents and it will make our children better people and them better able to parent their children when the time comes. So thank you so much for joining us today. You've certainly given us a huge amount of food for thought and I'm sure all our listeners will agree. Um, Emma runs a series of parent talks and workshops that are straight talking, thought provoking, but down to earth and humorous, as you've probably got from today's chat. Uh, she covers a wide range of, of subjects from adolescence, sleep, talking about sex and sexuality with your growing child. So you can learn a lot more about what she does at uh, on her website, which is emmagledhill.com. That is G-L-E-A-D-H-I-L-L. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. For more lively debate about parenting issues, please do subscribe to us at The Parenthood so that you don't miss another episode. And do spread the word. The more listeners we have, the more episodes we'll be able to create. Do follow us too on Instagram. We're at theparent.hood. Our feed is full of tips, parenting hacks, and it's also a great way for you to let us know what you'd like us to cover next. So thank you very much for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.